The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 13th chapter. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. Lord. At that very time, there were some present with him who told him about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Jesus asked them, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way that they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think they were worse offenders than all others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Then he told them this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and looked for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year, until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. Today I ask that we join our hearts together in prayer. Living God, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. All right, as I begin this morning, I have, to, I have to ask this question. Who else, like me, has been binge-watching season three of Queer Eye that came out last week? Anyone? <laughs> Anyone obsessed with this cultural phenomenon on Netflix? I love, I love this show. And if you, if you haven't been watching Queer Eye on Netflix, you are missing out on some of the best most positive, inspiring television that is out there today. It is not must-watch TV, because that would imply you can watch it tomorrow. It is you should have been watching yesterday TV. Season three of Queer Eye debuted on Netflix last week, and my wife and I have been watching it a lot, and that is most likely what we are going to be doing tonight. Well, after March Madness, because priorities. I I know, I know. Well, I got the Carolina game, and then, then it's time. For, uh, for Queer Eye, but I love, I love this show. If you're unfamiliar with the, with the concept, Queer Eye is a show where the Fab Five, five incredibly talented, inspiring, funny, transformative gay men, step into the life of someone who is, for lack of a better term, just a big hot mess, and they help transform their life in a week. Tan steps in with fashion advice. Jonathan helps with hair and skincare. Karamo rolls in with culture and basically therapy. Anthony livens up their cooking. And Bobby comes through with some stunning renovation of their home or their business or their church or their fire department. It's amazing. But this season, no spoilers for those that haven't been binging like me, the show has been really focused on this idea of loving yourself first. Before you can love other people, before you can care for others, you have to make sure that you love yourself. And watching this show and how revolutionary this idea seems to be in the lives of those who are subjects is a reminder to me of how much our society is craving abundant love. And how so often we either don't know what to do with abundant love when we receive it, or 
that when we receive it, it seems so revolutionary. Abundant love. That's all the Fab Five are doing. They're pointing their subjects back to their skills, their gifts, their strength, their nature as beloved human beings. This is a simple revolution in folks' lives, but just remembering these things is transformative. Now, I've had this on the brain all week because I've been watching it, but I've, I, I couldn't shake it because this show, this life-giving show, somehow resonated with the reading of the gospel for me this week. Because each episode of Queer Eye begins the same way. The Fab Five get a profile of a person, they talk about who they are, and then these five energetic, no-nonsense gay men run through this person's house and go through all of the muck and mess of their life. They turn it all upside down. They're going through their rooms, their closets, their kitchens, their bathrooms, their life. This process of transformation begins with a dive into the manure of their existence. And believe me, they find some pretty manure-y situations. Perhaps manure is why we need this wonder, why this wonderful show seems so relevant, relevant to today's readings. In the gospel lesson, Jesus tells a pretty manure-y parable after discussing the pretty manure-like circumstances of his neighbors. Jesus was confronted by followers who wanted to know about sin and its relationship to death. They wondered aloud to Jesus as he preached a message of repentance and turning to walk in God's kingdom. Did those folks who Pilate murdered in the temple bring death upon themselves? Was their murder punishment for sin? Now, this was a regular scare tactic by the Roman imperial forces, killing dissidents even in worship to establish their dominance. Jesus was not the first person who was crucified. This was something that existed long before him as a means of intimidation and keeping the subjects in line. Did sin bring about such a violent death? Jesus asks if these Galileans were worse sinners than others. And he emphatically answers his own question by saying no. But Jesus says, unless you repent, you will perish as they did. Jesus extends the story, referencing a building collapse where the Tower of Siloam felled and killed 18 of those that were underneath it. Jesus moves beyond finger-wagging at Rome to talk about random suffering, but offers the same conclusion. No, those who were killed weren't worse sinners. Sometimes bad things happen. Or to paraphrase the Messiah in another way, manure happens. But the messed up, painful, gut-wrenching manure of life is not the end of the story. Jesus uses these examples as a call to repent and offers up this parable of the fig tree that bears no fruit. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, see here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree. Still I find none, cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. Did you see what happens in this story? Not only is it a parable with a clear call to action, calling for repentance that we might bear faithful fruit, but Jesus acknowledges the manure and its role in our life. 
This week was a week of very weird Google searches to prepare for my sermon, but I found myself this week looking online for how does manure become fertilizer. I was instructed online that the manure of your favorite chickens, goats, pigs, and cows can be collected and added to your compost pile, where it is mixed with other organic compounds and water, and there it becomes a very rich fertilizer. I was warned, though, you can't just dump a pile of manure right on a plant or a seed and expect it to grow. That will, as gardeners call it, burn your plants. Manure must go through a process, but then it becomes useful for growing. I know, y'all didn't come to church today thinking we'd be talking about manure, did you? (laughs) Here we are. Like the Fab Five, wading into the manure of a subject's life, they have a process of self-reflection, self-care, and self-love that needed to happen before the manure from before could give way to the fertilizer of new growth. We, too, need the process of turning back to abundant love, God's love for us and our beloved nature as God's children. We need this holy work of turning from sin the sin which creates manure situations and systems of injustice. Repentance is this work. Repentance is the compost pile of our lives as we attempt to reconcile the manure that's all around us. Jesus says, repent or you will perish as well. Recognize the ways that you've been complicit in the ways of injustice. They didn't die because they are sinners, but you recognize injustice and will be perishing without repentance. Repent. Take the manure of your life, the brokenness, the pain, the loneliness, the injustice of your life, and take it to the compost pile of repentance. Only there can we see change. Only there can the pain of our lives be seen through the lens of God's abundant mercy, the mercy that gives a second chance for the fig tree to grow with the tender, fertilizing care. Only there, in the way of repentance, can our manure be turned to fertilizer. Only in the work of repentance can we see clearly the way to grow as God's people, bearing fruit of righteousness. Now, I I don't need to launch into a litany of the manure that's all around us. You all know what it is. You've seen it. We get manure news every day. We see injustice and pain all around us, and we have our own individual manure as well. I know, this is a weird sermon, but it's... (laughs) It's the direction that Jesus went in this gospel, and so I'm running with it. We know manure. We know of our need for repentance. We need it to be a part of our everyday lives so that we might know fertilizer instead. We might know the ways that God is working in us to bear fruit of mercy, compassion, justice, and love for all the world. God's love grows like a fig tree in us, but our repentant hearts will reveal if there's any way this growth bears fruit. God's love is a seed of freedom and hope that nourishes all of creation. Today, on his feast day, the first feast day since he was canonized as a saint, I'm reminded of the powerful quote by St. Oscar Romero, the El Salvadorian archbishop who was a tireless advocate for the poor, the oppressed, and who spoke out against the corruptions of his government that led to the El Salvadorian Civil War in the 80s. He was murdered during worship by his government's own hit squads. And the day before he died, St. Romero gave a radio interview and said this, 
I have often been threatened with death. If they kill me, I shall arise in the Salvadoran people. If the threats come to be fulfilled, from this moment I offer my blood to God for the redemption and resurrection of El Salvador. Let my blood be a seed of freedom and the sign that hope will soon be reality. I can find no more eloquently, albeit possibly unintentionally, articulated theology of the Eucharist. May my blood be Christ. May my body be Christ. May his love be a seed of freedom growing within me. As we encounter Christ this day in his holy supper, may his blood for us be a seed of freedom and the sign that hope will soon be a reality. May the work of repentance we do throughout this season transform and turn the pain and injustice of our lives and our world in such a way that new life can be known. I can hardly believe that I'm pairing a quote by St. Romero with a sermon about manure, but manure turned fertilizer is messy work, and Romero was one to get his hands dirty in the work of calling his community to repentance. This is messy work. This is faithful work. This is thankless work. But this is the work of transformation that reveals God's kingdom here and now. This story by Jesus is not his way of saying everything happens for a reason, or if you just have enough faith, the bad things are good. No, manure is manure. There's no way around that. But through the faithful work of repentance, of trust in the one who gives us growth, our world might not simply reek of injustice and pain. Our work may just give way to the sweet smell of spring, of new fruit on the vine that brings righteousness and sustains God's people. For that to happen, we need the compost pile of repentance that turns our ways of sin into a clear sign of God's calling. Manure happens, but the work of our repentance is the holy work that turns this manure into fertilizer for the abundance of the kingdom. Finding ways to own our complicity in the manure of the world, seeking redemption, repentance, and restoration, that is our messy calling. That is the calling that bears the fruits of God's goodness. This work will reveal a rich harvest. In order to see this day, we need to see our manure turn fertilizer. Amen.